0: Thank you for joining us. My name is Marcus DePaula, and today we are speaking with the Outreach Foundation's Associate Director for Partnership Development, Marilyn Borst. Marilyn, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: It is my delight to be with you and to talk about God's work in the world through the Outreach Foundation, Marcus.
0: Well, Let's start with your role at the Outreach Foundation. As the Associate Director for Partnership Development, what is it that you do serving in this role?
1: One of the the aspects of my job, that partnership development, Mm -hmm. builds very closely upon the experiences that I brought to the Outreach Foundation as the Director for Global Mission at two large churches, because part of that partnership equation, if we might call it, would be churches here in the United States. The other part of that equation is churches around the world. So having come out of the congregational setting here, in the United States, having worked closely with two large congregations, I have a real heart for and I hope a certain knowledge about how churches work and how God calls congregations into joining him in God's work around the world. And by the way, as exciting as the traveling part of my job is, of going around the world and being with partners in what some people would say would be very dangerous settings, I would say maybe exotic settings, one of my great joys is being with congregations here in the United States and to see the way that to the extent that they participate in God's mission around the world, it builds a great deal of excitement and spiritual maturity for what God is doing. And that gives me great joy as well.
0: You mentioned that you've been to these exotic and dangerous places. I understand you've cultivated relationships in the Middle East and traveled over there a lot. How many times have you been over there on average per year? And just overall, would, have you lost count?
1: <laughs> this year alone, I have made three trips to the Middle East. Three times to Lebanon, and one of those included Syria. So if you kind of look at the sum total of my life on the road, not all of that under the auspices of the Outreach Foundation, but working in these other mission capacities, I've been to places like Lebanon 30 times to Syria 18 times to Egypt 15 times to Iraq 10 times so you you get the sense that it's not just a one off these are long relationships that have built over a long period of time of showing up you know over many many years with our global partners
0: something we talked about with Rob last time was the build aspect of what the outreach foundation is doing specifically in the relationships that you have established what does that building look like in lebanon and syria and in iraq and those sort of places that you've been to
1: often the sort of the literal understanding of build of course is to see a structure take shape and I know that Rob made a wonderful reference to the fact that indeed Outreach Foundation has built 300 churches in Kenya, but then quickly went on to say that it's not just about the physical manifestation of the church, that church building, but it is the building of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the expressions that we often use when we use the term build is to talk about building the capacity of the church for God's mission. And so that works in two different ways. It both as we work with congregations here to draw them deeper into what God is doing around the world, it is building, expanding their capacity to participate in God's mission. Okay. But we also hope that our relationships with global partners helps them to build their capacity to be the church where they are planted. And I'll give you a good example of that. Great. Since 2011, when the war in Syria began, one of the results of that is that as the war increased in intensity in Syria, there were millions of Syrians that fled out of the country. 1.2 million of those, 1.2 million refugees, Syrian refugees, ended up next door in Lebanon. Now, Lebanon is a very small country. It's only about the size of Connecticut, so you can kind of get a sense of the landmass. There are only 4 million people who are citizens of Lebanon, but 1.2 million Syrian refugees flooded into the country. And the way I try to help Americans kind of get a sense of that, it would be the equivalent in this nation of some 330 million people if suddenly 75 million refugees ended up here in the United States, yeah. So you get a sense of how overwhelming that was to this very small country. Now, to the credit of the government of Lebanon, they have done everything within their capacity to address this crisis, but it is not enough. And so here is now the call upon the church. What is the church in Lebanon called upon to do within this crisis situation that they find themselves in? Sure. Well, thankfully, over the past twenty years, I and then the Outreach Foundation have built long and strong relationships with our Presbyterian family there, which is called the National Evangelical Synod of Syria and Lebanon, a very long title, but it's the Presbyterian Church there. Okay. And so as they, as a small entity in this small country, looked and examined and discerned and prayed about what God may be calling them to do, recognizing that God always you know, equips the church for the mission that He calls us to. And so what was the church in Lebanon equipped to do? Well, one of the great ministries of the Presbyterian Church in Lebanon over 150 years has been education. Mm. When missionaries went to Lebanon, you know, 150 years ago, almost 200 years ago, you know, one of the first things they did was to plant schools. And those schools eventually were no longer run by missionaries. They passed to the indigenous church that was planted and built up. And so the Senate of Syrian Lebanon has for 150 years run these very highly respected schools, both primary, secondary education schools that are much coveted by parents, uh, not just Christians, by the way, Christian and Muslim parents send their kids to these Christian schools okay. run by the Presbyterians. And so recognizing that one of the great needs of these Syrian refugees was education for their children. With 1.2 million refugees coming into the country and over 60% of them being school age, there was no way that the schools of Lebanon could absorb all of these students. And so the Senate of Syria Lebanon said, God is calling us to open a school to bring in as many of these Syrian refugees as we can. We can't bring in millions of them, but we could bring in hundreds of them. And this is one of the things that we know how to do well. We know how to do education. Mm. So they looked and they looked and they looked, trying to discern where they could have the school. You know, refugees were spread throughout the country. Where could they place the school? Well, to make a long story short, they had a very difficult time finding a place that could accommodate several hundred refugees. And so they ended up opening a school, and they opened a second school and a third school in different locations. Well, now there are six of those schools that the Senate of Syria-Lebanon has opened wow. for serving these refugee children now some 600 of them, Outreach Foundation, along with other partners of the Synod, have been able to provide resources for that because they have the skills. They don't have the financial resources to, to do that kind of extensive ministry. And so with the partnership of an organization like Outreach Foundation, we can come alongside, come behind the church mm-hmm. to help build its capacity for mission and ministry. And to me, that's one of the really vital examples and something that is going on even as we speak.
0: That's wonderful. Even though this tragedy has been so terrible, displacing so many people, it's providing an opportunity with the Muslim community and the Christian community to bring these people together that would otherwise probably not interact. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. It, it God's created an open door, we might say, for them to model what it means to love in the way of Christ. These schools, their teachers, almost all of them come out of the Presbyterian churches, are not shy about sharing their faith in Jesus Christ, mm. and there are incredible stories of the way that these children and their families are being transformed by that experience. Yeah. I mentioned to you, Marcus, that I've made three trips to Lebanon this year already. And each of those times, by the way, I bring people with me. That's another thing we'll talk about, connecting people to God's work in the world. But every time I bring people to Lebanon, we always make sure that we visit one, two, three of these schools. And the stories that come out of those are always so inspirational of teachers who have seen these children come out of these very kind of wild and woolly restaurants refugee camps um, almost almost out of control these children are because they've had no order in their lives because of the situation they've been living in and over a period of time to see them transformed And as they are transformed, these little lives go back into their families. Those families are transformed by Mm -hmm. what they see through their children, story upon story upon story of that transformation that is happening because of the way that the church there is reaching out, using the gifts and the skills that God has already given them as a church.
0: That's incredible. So we might as well just jump into the Connect piece then. You mentioned bringing people with you on the trips and seeing these transformations
1: one of the unique aspects of outreach foundation is the extent to which we regularly offer opportunities for people to go out and see god at work around the world so this is one of the gifts that we feel outreach foundation has for bringing people into relationship so i spend a lot of my time doing that usually between six and seven of those mission vision trips. I do most of them to the Middle East rather, but usually once a year to Cuba. Mm -hmm. And so that opportunity to bring people to see literally how God is at work through the church is always quite literally an eye-opening experience. It's a life-changing experience as people will relate. Just on the very basic level, you know, when people say, I had no idea there were Christians in a certain part of the world, let alone to know that the church is thriving even under difficult circumstances. But that connection is not just a benefit for the American Presbyterians that go with us on these trips, but it is an enormous encouragement for the church in other parts of the world to meet with Christians from another place and to recognize that they are known and loved and now will be prayed for with great specificity because they are known by name. You know, if if I could share just one recent experience in July, I took the fifth group of women to Lebanon to participate in a women's conference. This is an annual event that our partner, the National Evangelical Senate of Syria and Lebanon, the Presbyterian Church, has done every year, where they have a women's conference at their conference center. They have women from the Presbyterian churches in Syria and Lebanon come together for a week of Bible study, of fellowship, of training, you know, equipping to go back and be leaders in the church. Well, for five years, Outreach Foundation has been invited to bring a small group of women over to be part of that. Wow. And so, this last year, we kind of we began to add up how many people have been participated in that experience. Some of my women have come one, two, three. One of my women has come all five times on one of these trips, but 28 different women Mm -hmm. have participated in this experience of meeting, spending a week, living life together, sharing life together with fellow Presbyterian women from Syria and Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And what is so exciting to me, not just that they have showed up and seen, oh yeah, here there are Presbyterians in Lebanon and Syria, Or that the women from Lebanon and Syria go, oh my gosh, here are Presbyterians from another part of the world that have cared enough to come and see us, but that there are relationships that are sustained over five, six years as now these these relationships, this family deepens and expands in faith. And I think that is one of the things that makes God smile.
0: Yes. And I so much enjoy the blog posts that your team is so great at doing on all these trips that you coordinate. And I remember reading about the stories of these women that traveled through the war-torn areas of Syria to be at these conferences. What kind of an impact does that have on these women that come with you from the United States?
1: That's a really good question. I think it's an emotional one. But it's also one that is inspiring, you know, when you have an opportunity to witness what Paul talks about as perseverance. Okay. You know, Paul is the great theologian who talked about perseverance, about faith that is lived out over a long period of time, but even more nuanced than that, perseverance refers to a walk of faith that has been often difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, so when Paul talks about in the book of Romans, we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces perseverance, Mm -hmm. and perseverance character and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Mm. This is lived out in the lives of Christians who have lived through a time of war, as these women in Syria have done. Yeah. One of the really vivid memories and experiences of these times with these women, you know, not all of Syria has been plagued by difficult parts of the war. Some have had very difficult times, others not as difficult. Okay. But one of the cities that was hardest hit and now thankfully is peaceful. I can attest to that mm. because I was there in April is the city of Aleppo. Everybody saw Aleppo on the news yes. and bombardments and war and you know buildings in ruin and you think can any life still be going on in Aleppo? But indeed Parts of Aleppo still continued to function. Our Presbyterian church there continued to be faithful in its work and witness. And every year, despite the war, there would be 10, 11, 12 women from Aleppo that would make their way to this conference through very difficult roads mm-hmm. to get to this conference in Lebanon. And when they would return at the end of this journey, they usually would leave In the middle of the night, because that trip from Beirut essentially back to Aleppo had to be timed in such a way that they had to arrive back in Aleppo before the roads were closed at twilight because of snipers and because of fighting. And so we would get up at two o'clock in the morning. To see these women off, you know, put cups of coffee in their hands, put a big hug around them, pray for them, put them on these buses as they would go back through these dangerous roads because they have wanted to be in fellowship. Now, that is a humbling experience. There were very few times when that bus finally pulled out of the conference grounds as we waved goodbye to them, you know, in the dark that we would not turn to one another and burst into tears recognizing That this was a cost of discipleship that none of us had ever been asked to pay, and yet here is this joyful, persevering church that is giving witness to the good news of Jesus Christ despite the the worst possible conditions, and that's that's holy ground. That's holy ground for people who are able to see that face-to-face.
0: Absolutely. I remember when I was young and going on high school mission trips, you go to these places, experience these things with new people and new cultures, and then that's kind of it. And so part of the connect thing is maintaining a connection. It's not just going and coming back and going, yeah, I had this experience there and then the end.
1: Exactly. And, you know, one of the wonderful things about this building, the connection, is we tend to talk about the connection being people coming here from the United States to visit the church around the world, but it also works in the other direction. Sure. In fact, even as we speak, we have brought over from Damascus the pastor of the Presbyterian Church in Damascus, Reverend Boutro Zaur, his wife, Wafa, Hmm. longtime friends of the Outreach Foundation, personal friends of mine, but even as we... Speak, they are itinerating through about a half dozen congregations here in the United States that have already had a relationship, begun to build a relationship with the church in Syria. Mm-hmm. Um, churches in Tulsa and Allentown, Pennsylvania and Cornelius, South Carolina and Norfolk, Virginia and Rancho Santa Fe, California, where members of that congregation had already been and seen and celebrated the faithfulness of the church there. Now a representative of that church comes to those congregations, and the rest of the congregation can then see the living, breathing witness of the church, in this case, the church in Syria.
0: Absolutely. So as we wrap up, what would you say is one of the most unique or amazing things that you've seen God doing through the trips that you've been on and these communities connecting and being transformed?
1: You know, Marcus, one of the things that I observe is that this process of connecting with the global church in some real way Mm -hmm. brings about transformation. Transformation is in some ways sort of a buzzword, you know, on one level you talk about, well, transformation means you are somehow changed. But when we use that term in a spiritual sense, there is something more profound, you know, and I often think of what the Apostle Paul says when he writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, and we with unveiled faces reflect the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into His image. So this aspect of the Christian life having a dynamic of being transformed into greater Christ Likeness, mm-hmm. You know, and there are many ways in which that happens. I mean, it's obviously the work of the Holy Spirit, but I think one of the things that brings about transformation is when we as individuals first and then as individuals within a congregation mm-hmm. become yielded to God's purposes where God's priorities and purposes are what guides us, and when we then allow ourselves to move boldly into participating in those priorities that God has, the extent to which we participate in that work. The marching orders for Christians is pretty clear. We don't have to make them up. Christ gave them out in what we call the Great Commission. Go, he says, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes. So go and make disciples. And the other part of that Great Commission, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so our submission to the purpose and the will of God is to allow ourselves to be moved further and further out, giving witness to the good news that is Jesus Christ. And when that happens, there is that spiritual transformation that happens, that being transformed into the image of God, you know, that process of what we call theologically sanctification, that we move closer and closer to being who Christ is when we yield ourselves to God's purposes. And that's a powerful thing to recognize. It happens with individuals. It also happens within congregations mm. who yield themselves to the heart of God that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That is the work as well as the privilege of being part of God's mission in the world.
0: Absolutely.
1: Certainly a big part of what my life and ministry has been involved in over the past, you know, seven years or so has been what is happening in Syria. Mm. And so recognizing that Syria has been at war. So that's sort of the bad news of the headlines. Yeah. But in being able to always bring people to ask this other question, what is the good news behind the headlines? What is God doing behind those headlines? And that is work that is happening through the faithful church, mm. the faithful church in difficult places. We often use the expression in the Outreach Foundation to talk about coming alongside the vulnerable church, Mm -hmm. the church that is in a fragile place because it is a minority. Perhaps it is an oppressed minority, a persecuted minority, perhaps because it doesn't have resources, perhaps because it is just a small fragment of a society. Mm -hmm. And so how do we strengthen the work and witness of the vulnerable church? Well, certainly the church that finds itself in the midst of A devastating war is vulnerable, but to see the faithfulness of the church in its work and witness, despite the war that is raging around it, I think has been one of the great joys for me. It certainly has been for the Outreach Foundation. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I celebrate is that the congregations and the individuals who have partnered with the Outreach Foundation over the years have been enormously generous, sacrificial mm-hmm. in their giving to support the work of the church in Syria, the Synod of Syria-Lebanon as it ministers to refugees coming into its country, and it has strengthened their hand in being the the image of Christ to the world around them. And again, you know, we celebrate the fact that our congregations, our individuals, have built a trust with the Outreach Foundation that they give to us their precious financial resources, trusting that we are going to use them wisely Mm -hmm. and in service to the church with its priorities around the world. And that has been An exciting thing is also a humbling thing, but also to be able to see, you know, when you stick with family, and that's what the global church is for us, it is family. When you stick with family over a long period of time, you weather the dark and sort of depressing aspects of your life, and we all have them. Yeah. We walk through those valleys with one another as family. The same thing with the church in Syria, who has weathered now you know close to seven years of war, now to see those guns being stilled and the and the country becoming peaceful, not everywhere, I'm not trying to paint an, an overly rosy picture, yeah. but there are things that are returning to normal, and to see the church still functioning, still faithful in its witness, despite the fact that it has lost many resources, the economy, you know, is is collapsed in Syria because of the war, and yet the church continues to be a reaching out organization, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and part of what has allowed them to do that is the resources that have flowed from our generous congregations and individuals through the Outreach Foundation that has allowed them to do things like create reconciliation ministries Mm. with young people in their communities, feeding the displaced in their own cities in places like Aleppo, you know, story upon story of the work and witness of the church in the most darkest of times, you know, at a time when you think in the midst of war, the natural inclination is to what I would say, you know. to pull the shades and sit very quietly hoping no one will notice you. You know, the church responds exactly opposite. The shades go up, the singing gets louder and more enthusiastic, the door flings open, people flow out to feed the hungry, to welcome those who are broken, to give hope and a purpose because they serve a God who is the God of hope and the God of purpose.
0: That is such a great image to me of the church in action and the opportunity that we have to serve these communities that are in such need now, but also an opportunity for us as followers of Christ to engage in our own spiritual growth and witnessing what God is doing in these places and getting outside of our own comfort zone and going on these trips to experience firsthand the true nature of God's love and compassion and grace and mercy. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. And if listeners want to find out more about these trips, there's a trips blog on the outreachfoundation.org. You can tune in to all these trips that Marilyn is on her teams are always very good at taking lots of pictures and writing live journals of what's going on so you can stay in touch there and then obviously also learning ways to get involved yourself and support these ministries and these churches in these different places of need right now
1: and be transformed in the process
0: absolutely be part of god's work in the world Amen. thank you so much marilyn
1: thanks marcus